0: It is good for us to be here on this Mount of Transfiguration to see our Savior's glory, like Peter said. So in the name of Jesus, dear Christian friends. Are you on a mountaintop today? Or in one of the shadowy valleys of life? We all experience both of those things. Mountaintop days, mountaintop experiences. Those are the good ones, right? When you maybe made the varsity team. Or you got the role you wanted, or you you're about to start a new relationship, about to get married, about to welcome a child into the world, about to retire, and things seem good. Mountaintop experiences can affect the way that you see God and and your faith life too. Because when everything seems to be clicking, then it's it's easy to see God's hand working in your life. The answers to your prayers, it's easy to, to be a Christian. During the mountaintop times, but you know, like I do, that on earth, on this earth at least, we do not leapfrog from mountaintop to mountaintop with nothing in between. There's some shadowy valleys in there too, aren't there? The valleys are the the times when things don't go so well. And a good recipe for a valley period in your life is when your expectations are high, but your experience does not live up to the expectations. So you may go into a a relationship thinking, this is the one, but your experience is that it starts to spin out of control. You might think that your expectations are, you, you should be in this role, you should make the musical, you should get a spot on the team, but your experience is that it wasn't what you thought. You may expect to have work that's fulfilling and that makes you feel like you're making a difference and you're good at it but you experience more of a feeling of just punching the clock for the man. Maybe you expect the doctor to tell you that she can provide some relief, but instead you experience her words, sorry, there's nothing more we can do for you. There are mountaintops and there are valleys in every one of our lives. And here's the good news for today that God can use mountaintop experiences, especially this mount of transfiguration, to prepare us for the valleys that we're going to face. That's what Jesus did for his disciples. Jesus did that for his disciples as he took them on a men's retreat. It was a mountaintop experience up in the north part, north of Israel. They went up to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus he just clicked with his disciples, that, that part of the, their ministry. He, he said to them, who do people say that I am? And they said, oh, some say John, some say you're Elijah, some say other people. And he said, but, but, but who do you say that I am? And St. Peter spoke up for all the disciples, and he said, you are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And they got to see, these disciples got to see Jesus' eyes light up. He was filled with joy, throws his head back and says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And you are Peter, which means rock, right? You are Peter, and I tell you, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not even overcome it. Even hell can't stand up to a confession like that. Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. And so the disciples' expectations are through the roof, right? They're saying, Jesus, you're God. We are your church. Nothing can stop us. Mountaintop experience. And immediately, immediately, Jesus leads them into a valley. Because Jesus began to teach them that this invincible son of God with the church, that nothing can stop he says, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and be handed over to the chief priests and the teachers and the elders and suffer many things, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And those disciples, they didn't even hear that last sentence because they were so so distraught about how the invincible Son of God could suffer and die. And so Peter actually tries to rebuke Jesus. Peter says, never And Jesus turns and looks at Peter, and he says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but human concerns only. In the valley. Looking forward to what? Suffering and dying. And so the disciples, for six days, Jesus leads them through this valley for six days. The disciples pull their robes up over their head and glue their eyes to the ground, and they shuffle through the dust south towards that, that city of Jerusalem where all this stuff is going to happen. Six days, they walk through the valley trying to figure out how it all went wrong. And that's how you feel once in a while too, isn't it? When your experience with Jesus doesn't quite live up to your expectations. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you've been there for longer than six days. And so Jesus wants to help us with those valleys. So after six days, Jesus led them up onto a mountain. And this is why we celebrate the festival of the transfiguration. Because On this mountain, Jesus is going to help us deal with all of our other mountaintops and deal with all of our other valleys. So Jesus leads Peter, James, and John up onto a high mountain to a remote place where they're all alone. And there, he was transfigured before them, which is just a long word to say he changed his appearance. And you can read all sorts of different Bible writers. There's about four different Bible writers in the Bible who try to capture what this looked like and they say they say things that seems like they're running out of words. Matthew says his face looked like the sunshine. And Mark says his clothes looked like they were made of lightning. And Mark, who we read today, says that his clothes became white, white dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And it became obvious. Jesus is glorious. This was the most beautiful thing that has ever happened on the face of the earth, is transfiguration. Because the glory of heaven, it broke into our world for just a moment, pierced the veil between heaven and earth, and and those three disciples got to see what you and I are waiting for when we get to heaven, where there's no sunshine because Jesus himself is the light. Well, they got to see that light. The most beautiful thing that ever happened. But Jesus wasn't up there alone, right? There appeared with him Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Elijah and Moses. You now, why those two? Well, those disciples, they only had the first half of the Bible, right? We have a Bible that's split into the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they only had the Old Testament. So when they were growing up, that's, that was their Bible they heard when they went to synagogue. And so that... Old Testament was the law and the prophets. They split that in two halves. And Moses wrote the law. He was the author of the first five books of the Bible. And Elijah was the greatest prophet in the second half of their Bible. He could rain down fire from heaven. He was taken up into heaven with a fiery chariot. We we read about that earlier today. And so what these disciples are learning as these people are talking with Jesus is that their Bible, their Old Testament, their heroes of faith. Well, they were with Jesus. And this plan to suffer and die that they thought was craziness? Well, from the perspective of people in heaven, it made perfect sense. In fact, that's what they were talking about. The another gospel writer tells us that Jesus and the Elijah and Moses, they were talking about his departure, about after he would suffer and die, how he would go back to heaven as a victor, as a winner as the glorious Son of God. This experience, seeing Jesus' face shine like the sun, seeing their Old Testament heroes, it it frightened them and it totally bamboozled them to the point where Peter starts talking crazy. Peter says, uh, I know what we got to do, Lord. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then Mark wants to make sure you know this, so he puts this in parentheses, He didn't know what he was talking about because he was so frightened. I don't know how long they got to think about what Peter said, but I'm sure they didn't think about it long because the next person who speaks is God from heaven. Because then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. If you're going through ups and downs, mountaintops and valleys, and you want some direction, listen to him. If you're starting to doubt God's plan for your life, like those disciples were doubting God's plan for, for Jesus' life, listen to him. God knows we have trouble, and so he has given us some direction in Jesus. This is my son. Listen to him. So by the end of this experience on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was just no doubt about it. Jesus was the all-powerful, all-glorious, wonderful Son of God. That's what the prophets testified to. That's what the voice from heaven proclaimed. And that's what the disciples saw with their very own eyes. But, by the end of that mountaintop experience, can they remember it? Can they remember Jesus glory when they go through the valley? Can you and I? Because Jesus doesn't always look so glorious, does he? Sometimes what we expect, it's not what we get. This whole story kind of reminds me of a famous book by Mark Twain, The Prince and the Pauper. Maybe you've read it, you know the storyline. There's a a prince of England and a little beggar boy, and they meet each other one day at the gate to the castle, and they find out they actually look almost identical, and so they decide to switch places. So the, the beggar boy, the pauper, he's going to go live in the, in the castle as the prince, and the prince is going to go live on the street in regular clothes or beggar's clothes. And the whole time that that prince is living as a beggar, he really is the heir to the throne. He really is the son of the king, but he's living just the opposite way. That's just like what Jesus is doing on earth, isn't it? The whole time he walked this earth, he was the all-glorious Son of God, as he proved on the mountain of transfiguration. But he wore beggar's clothes. And then, for just a moment, on that mountain, he let us see his true identity. It's almost as though the prince, if the prince would flash his little gold chain and give you a wink, just to remind you that he really is the prince even as he's dressed like a beggar. That's what our Lord has done for us today. It does make you think, why? If you you could wear clothes that look like lightning, why would you wear beggars clothes? If you could be the all-powerful son of God, why would you come to stand around with some disciples who can't even bear the sight of you? It's a fair question, and it's a question that uh, a young woman asked one time in a Bible 101 class, like the one that Pastor Previ teaches at, at our church. It was at a different church, though, different pastor. The woman said, phrased the question this way, why does God even bother with us if he is so wonderful? Why didn't he just wipe people out and start over with new people who make good decisions? It's a fair question, and it deserves an answer. So the pastor thought for a second, and he noticed that she had brought her, her little boy to, to class that night. Said, Your son, did, uh, did he get in trouble today? Oh, yeah. He was actually in timeout two times, <laughs> a little more than normal. Why don't you just get rid of him? Start over with a new kid who will make right choices. This is the part where the the woman starts thinking, I need to find a new church. I don't think this is, I don't think I can trust this guy. No, she said, Of course I can't get rid of my son. I love him, he's mine. Exactly. Right? That's the point. Why didn't God just get rid of us and start over? Why does he come to earth and look like this? Why does he go through all the hassle of dealing with people like you and me? Because you're his child, and he loves you. It's pretty amazing when you realize that the all glorious Son of God has given up everything to come and be with you. But he did. He gave up. He gave up his glorious throne in heaven to be a beggar on earth. He gave up his holiness and perfection before God in exchange for your sin. He even gave up his immortality so that he could die the death that you and I have earned and so that he could rise again to guarantee that glory for us. Jesus has given up everything for you and me. And transfiguration helps us to appreciate that. If we want to understand just how deeply God loves us, we have to understand just how high he was before he came to earth. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. Here's his definition for grace. That Christ who was rich, He became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Start to see why we celebrate the festival of the transfiguration and why we celebrate it right before Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is coming up this this week, a couple days. That'll be the start of Lent where we won't see Jesus' face shining in our readings. We won't see Jesus victorious. Instead, we'll see him suffering and dying and, and giving up and giving up and giving up good things. If we want to appreciate just how much God has done for us on the cross, we need to appreciate just how glorious it was that he gave it up for us. Yeah, transfiguration prepares us for Lent, but it also, it also prepares us for life. It prepares you for the valleys that you're facing. I don't know what you're going through right now, if it's a top or a valley, but you don't even know what comes next. Jesus does. Jesus does. He knows what it's like to go through suffering on the way to glory. He knows what it's like to have people doubt him and to have his life unravel. He knows what it's like to plead with God in prayer saying, please, 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 Lord. Jesus knows. And he wants you to know. He wants to say to you today that you will not walk through any shadow in this valley of death alone but I will go with you. I will be with you every step away, not just Jesus, but the all-glorious Son of God. I will be with you every step of the way. And on the other side of this life, I will wipe every tear from your eye and I will give you an experience that exceeds even your wildest expectations because I love you and because you are mine. Now, take up your cross and follow me. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.